0: need all of you, you tree uh, writers, and you musicians, and songwriters, and those who write prayers and give uh, deep thought to uh, sharing that with the congregation, those who bake goods and realize the creativity in that kitchen really goes a long way to blessing people, or those of you who write cards. And that small note that comes in the mail, wow, somebody actually wrote me a card rather than just an email. Or who even pick up the phone? And at the other end is a laughing voice or some humor. Or maybe once in a while somebody just actually stops by or you get up from a restaurant and you break taboo. How is it nowadays that if you see somebody you know or an acquaintance across, across the room at a restaurant, it's like, am I breaking taboo if I go over there and invade their space to say hello? Strange times we live in, but we need everyone who has been touched by the kingdom of God to exalt the Lord in their own way and to keep doing it. And not to pull back, but actually to put the hammer down. And to use those gifts. You know, we need to pow- power, uh, power through this. Loretta and I, of course, were in Branson this past week. And uh, this time we didn't take the grandkids. And so we saw a few more shows. The shows were just getting back. And some of them were very much discounted. But... Uh, The ones that were open, and a lot of them are not open yet, had just opened. And they may have been playing to 50 people instead of 1,000 people, but I tell you what, they gave it their all, and they treated everyone in the audience like that's exactly who was supposed to be there. I mean, you could tell. They probably went overboard to make sure that people put in a good word that they had reopened. And I don't know how you pay for... A theater that seats over a thousand people and only fifty people show, show up to come and hear you, and you have a cast, and it takes thirty people to put on that show. You don't you don't even come close to breaking, even selling popcorn or T-shirts or or CDs. But with every one of those shows, uh, we noticed that there was also heartfelt uh, love for God and appreciation for the American spirit. One of those who exuded it the most was when we went to go here, Yakov Shmirnov Of course, he came over here when he was 27 years old in the late 70s, became a U.S. citizen. And uh, everybody, of course, knows him for his comedy. What a lot of people don't know him for is his artwork. And I did not realize it, but at the 9-11 site for over a year and a half, a mural that he painted was up on the a building overlooking the pit where all the digging and excavation was going on. And it was in the shape of a, of a, it was a heart painted as the, as the American flag with the Statue of Liberty standing in the middle of it. And uh, he put that up anonymously. Nobody knew for years until it was uh, Paul Harvey did a special piece on him. Now you know the rest of the story about who put that mural up there. And that was the only way he would do it is if he could be anonymous. But we saw people using their creativity to exalt God and doing what they could to try to revive people's spirit, get some boldness, remind us that we actually do like each other and we don't fear each other and we want to get out and experience what is particularly great about freedom and this country. I mean uh, how can you drive down a Texas road even today and not, you know, you not want the radio or something on to make you feel good about where you live. We need that reminder. I like, uh, we've got a good Singer songwriter here and here, but one of my favorite too is Gary P. Nunn. And I hope some of these words don't step on anybody's toes. It's all meant for well and that spirit of of freedom, okay? But uh, one of my favorite songs is, I tell you what I like about Texas. Uh, Well, you ask me what I like about Texas, I tell you, it's the wide open spaces. It's everything between the Sabine and the Rio Grande, it's the Llano Estacado. It's the Brazos and the Colorado. It's the spirit of all the people who share this land. It's another burrito. It's a cold, lone star in my hand. It's a quarter for the jukebox boys playing the sons of the mother and bunkhouse van. You ask me what I like about Texas? It's the big timber around Nacogdoches. It's driving El Camino Real into San Antonio. It's the river walk in Mitierra, jamming out with Bongo Joe. It's stories of the Menger Hotel and the Alamo. Well, you ask me what I like about Texas. It's blue bonnets and Indian paintbrushes. It's swimming in the sacred waters of Barton Springs. We'll add blue hole to that. It's body surfing at Frio at Saturday night in Del Rio. And it's crossing over the border for some cultural exchange. Well, that's been shut down. It's another burrito. It's a cold, lone star in my hand. It's a quarter for the jukebox boys playing the sons of the mother-loving bunkhouse band. Well, you ask me what I like about Texas. Well, I could tell you, but we'd be here all night long. When Moses brings two million people across the Red Sea, we are given a stark image in chapter 14 where they look at the washed up chariots and dead horses and men in the Pharaoh's army that all drowned and got caught in this giant clap of crushing waves that closed down on them. And they realized the power of God. And when God said He would set them free, that He absolutely meant it. And when we turn to chapter 15 we come across a new song. A song of freedom. It's Moses and Miriam's version of I tell you what I like about God at a time when they really needed it and we're going to need a song to remind them of that spirit of freedom that only God can give. So let me do a reading If you would turn to Exodus chapter 15, I'm going to read a few verses here. This is a long and detailed uh, song. We don't know what kind of music it originally went to, but we know that there was celebration with it. And it was a song that told you exactly how it was. This is chapter 15 of the book of Exodus, and I will start reading There at uh, verse 1, this is divided up really into two parts. You have uh, verses 1 through 12, which is the song is about the rescue from slavery to a promise awakened from a long time ago. And then in verses 13 uh, through 19, we basically have um, a victory Parade before the Lord and before the Lord's enemies and the surrounding the surrounding nations. Verse one, then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and the driver he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. He is my father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. And your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath, and the sea covered them. They sank like lead into the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Yahweh? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble, anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. And by the power of your arm, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, Lord, until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them into the land and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. And when Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them, but the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels. And dancing, Marian sang to them, Sing to the Lord a new song, for He is highly exalted. Both horse and the driver, He is hurled into the sea. Now how many of you growing up, you sang some version or piece of that song? Do you remember that? Many of you remember the song, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Yeah, there's many. You can go on YouTube, but I was looking at all the different versions. There's Jewish versions that they sing, I guess, in some synagogues. There's giant choir versions, you know. Uh, of this. It's very interesting to hear the different interpretations that songwriters have taken these words and put music to, to rehearse a story. And this story, of course, is the most rehearsed story in the Bible. The exit of Egypt and the crossing the Red Sea and the Lord using natural forces to extinguish his enemies. We are gripped by fear during our time because of the COVID-19 and we realize that this weaponized virus might be the tip of the iceberg of what nations actually might have locked up in uh, their medicine cabinets for war. This could be A precursor. Some people have gone too far as to say that this could be a binary weapon and this is just part one this winter. There could be something that triggers something else in the virus as it mutates. Nobody knows. But the Lord does. Mankind thinks that they have control over nature and they know the secrets of the universe. But as I read science... They keep finding out more and more that they don't know. And that chaos and nature, the science that God put in place, seems to not always be harnessed the way that mankind wants. Mankind gets on that wild horse, whether it be making the nuclear bomb or building biological weapons, and that horse... That wild horse takes off. You know, the original sin, Satan wanted to be God. He wanted to join the Trinity, make it a, a qua, qua, quadrinity, I guess. And the Lord said, no, thank you. But that still seems to be the the end of man without the Spirit of God is to make himself into a parallel God. And so even though Pharaoh had seen all of these plagues, all of these devastations, all of these things that he was helpless to stop, Still in the hardness of his heart, in his quest for power and domination, he chased God's people down to the point of no return where it was a dead end. And the slaughter and the domination was that close to taking place. And the Lord stepped in said, move closer to the sea. In the church, I mean, whether it, you know, there's lots of good entertainment, but the epitome of the song of freedom for the plights that come from the human race is, that's what the church is all about. We carry a banner of freedom on the street corner and we link arms with all those other churches around the world that also sing about the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the freedom that comes through God is the best freedom of all. You see, the Bible tells us that we are sons and daughters of the Most High to those who believed Him, even to those who received His name, He gave the right to become children of God, sons of God. Did He really mean that? Did God really mean that Norm would one day be called his son, that he would be a co-heir with Jesus Christ, that if he just said to this mountain, be ye removed and did not doubt and say be cast into the sea, that as that son in that airship, did he really mean it could be done? Did he really mean then when he said, Love your enemies and pray for those who hate you? That when you did that, you literally, as a child of God, shook the heavenly realm. That God's imminent kingdom work would actually even continue to call in mercy and grace even to your enemies. Some people think we're being brought to the point of no return in America. I hope we're being brought to the point that darkened souls will look up. Because the promised utopia of humanism and communism always ends up so dark. I've mentioned it before, and I challenge you. And and when I was in college, I read the unredacted, almost 3,000 page, came in three volumes of the Gulag Argapello by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, detailing the rise of the Soviet Union from the Bolsheviks and Lenin. And he wrote it from the perspective of someone who had been a Russian all of his life, multiple generations, and who served in the army. I dare you, go even read the thousand-page abridged version of that and school yourself on what happens when God is replaced by the state. You see, in Egypt, the Hebrews, the Israelites, they just were not bodies fleeing for a promised land, but they were souls, they were eternal beings in relationship with their Creator. The Bible tells us it is an awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And what we pray for is that we fall into the hands of the living God under grace. That without Jesus, without that atoning sacrifice, what one will fall into is the hands of wrath. Remember, at the beginning of the plague stories, some of Pharaoh's aides said, Oh, we can't replicate this particular one. This looks like the real finger of the, of, uh, the Israelites. God is in this. And then later when he met with Moses, Moses said, Pharaoh because of your hardness of heart, you're going to see the hand of God at work. The human soul wants to sing a song of freedom. No matter who they are. What their background or, or what their heritage realized or not, the Bible teaches that people are all of one race. It is not a pedantic making trivial of Black Lives Matter to say, it is actually theologically correct to say that we are all sons of Adam. We are of the Human race. We are sons and daughters of the original people who God gave the order to procreate. If you follow the biblical story, of course, God almost destroys human beings, wishes He had not made them. He saves Noah and his family. And you can follow this up if you can find it, if anybody teaches it anymore through looking at a table of languages through the earth, and you will find the most languages on the face of the earth. Go back to uh, Shem, Uh, Japheth, and who's that third son? Ham. And of course the Jews came through through Shem. That's why they're called Semites. Shem, descendants of Shem. But actually, all the peoples of the earth today came through the sons of Noah. They all are of one race, They all are interchangeable. They all could intermarry, and they do. They all are quite creative, and they all have a longing for the freedom of the soul. And they're all made in the image of God. I think I said that. They're one race, and they're made in the image of God. Of course people have different heritages, and of course they have different languages. We learn at the Tower of Babel that God did that to slow down the evil unity of what humans do when they become globalists. We've seen the globalist story before. But when we look at the heritage of different people, we should appreciate that because we are also staring at the creativity of the face of God. So if you have a problem with me, or you have a problem with somebody from somewhere else, you might be looking at the creativity of God. The Bible doesn't say we have people from different races in heaven. It says that we have people of uh, every tribe. And language in heaven. Realize that or not. People regardless are all of one race. They are made in the image of God. They are made supernatural. And there is a longing for things of supernatural. And one of those, of course, is to sing a song of freedom. The soul wants to be free. But a third thing, realize or not, which is part of the story of the gospel, is that all people, all heritages, suffer from the same thing. They all suffer from two You might say two things. They suffer from that inner fascist when they look in the mirror. That little totalitarian dictator that makes me make the wrong choices in life. That makes me react defensively to the people around me who love me. That makes me, when... I know what I ought to do, but go the other way, and I can't figure out why I do it. Yeah, all the sons of Adam are little inner fascists. That's why Jesus' ministry was mainly look in the mirror, man, get that moat out of your own eye, take care of you first, and that will be a good start on the kingdom of God. Look at the man in the mirror. But we know that the human race suffers from that. That inner fascist when I say read the Gulag Argapello, what is the main point of the Gulag Argapello? Is that the line of good and evil runs down the middle of each person. In that book over and over again, after talking about the horrible types of uh, torture, ingenious methods of torture at these Gulags all over the Soviet Union... He would ask, how could this prison guard be taught to be so brutal? Does that prison guard represent any man put in that circumstance, under that authority, under this time and place? Would they give in and sacrifice their conscience to just go along? What do you think? There's another fascist the Bible talks about that we suffer under the ravages of, and that is Satan. Satan. And of course, at the end of the Bible, he takes control of the Antichrist and becomes a one-world ruler, both physically, politically, and Spiritually, one more run at complete domination. Can you believe some people willingly give in to that right now? Look at the crazy stuff going on in this country. Now the pedophiles are coming out of the closet linked to Satanism and and Hollywood and politics. It was in the leading papers of Germany just three weeks ago that the leading German paper under a new government report said that they had discovered a network of over 30,000 pedophiles that worked for the government that were trading children and pictures and abusive situations. And snuff films. Well, now guess where the spotlight, what nation they're shining on for that? Realize they're not, regardless, people are all one race. They're made in the image of God, and they suffer under an inner fascist and that of Satan. They all have the hope to experience the freedom of the soul. But there are two choices to experience that. One of those, Paul talks about in Romans 6. We read part of that passage. I implore you to go back and read it. Maybe go listen to the uh, old Bob Dylan song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. It's really a, an artistic view of uh, Romans chapter. <laughs> Chapter 6 is probably the best song I've ever heard that reflects Romans chapter 6. Bob's Dylan, you got to serve somebody. But one choice to free your soul is called the freedom of bondage. What? What? The freedom of bondage? That doesn't sound very free. Well, yeah, because you probably live in a spirit-filled life. What's the freedom of bondage? Well, freedom of the bondage is where oh man, I don't have to make a decision anymore. I don't care, whatever you want. Yeah, give it to Satan. he would be happy to make that decision for you. Spiritual lethargy. The freedom of bondage is also characterized by needing a surrogate daddy Maybe one of the state, someone who will take care of me from birth to when they lay me in the ground, just give me my job, give me something I can rally behind that kind of sort of makes sense. After all, I'd rather be a useful idiot than to use my brain. I love the freedom of bondage, don't you? Internet's filled with those types of uh, videos. You can see videos of students being interviewed all over the United States. And one of the questions is, what do you feel is the goal or why do you support Black Lives Matter? And most of these Students, college students, when they're asked that type of question, they go directly into explaining why they like communism. They realize that it's a ruse, a shortcut to get to communism and they answer it truthfully when reporters just leave it open and blank for them to explain themselves many of those i there's a documentary i heard of that's coming out where people are exploring some of these many of these young people particularly young men who have been drawn to antifa and to violence many of them don't have any type of father in the home. Yes, the freedom of bondage. Give them any kind of daddy. Remember I talked about, uh, oh, maybe a month or two ago when they first started defacing some statues, I said, yeah, watch, by next week we'll see the first Jesus statues falling. And what are we seeing around the country? Decapitated Jesus statues. Decapitated Virgin Mary statues. Decapitated and uh, disfigured statues of all the saints. Churches being defaced. People being stabbed, people being shot, people trying to throw riots on the front door of churches as they come out. Those are the people who relish a freedom for their soul that comes through bondage. Those are the people that never got out of Egypt and maybe on the way out they want to go back. But then, you see, we sing a song of the freedom of the Spirit. Do we not? You know how when you're singing your favorite hymn, you know, some Sundays it's all, sometimes it's individual, whatever, but there are times, you know, just the right phrase or word in a song. Oh my gosh, I'm in heaven! For this brief moment, I'm in heaven, and I know I got problems when I gotta get home. That the wheel on the tractor fell off, the axle is bent. I got a kid in jail. I gotta go visit him this afternoon. Hey, we we all live in real lives, but we sing a song of the spirit. You see, we're not just. Sons and daughters of Adam, but we are sons of the Most High through Jesus Christ. And yeah, we might be working on a daddy problem, but the Lord God, Yahweh, is our Father. And for some of us, our husband or our mother or our wife, He is the God of Hesed, love. A graceful, undeserving love. I love you because I decided to pick you up like he told Israel. I found you naked and just recently born, laying on the side of the road. You still had afterbirth on you, your umbilical cord. And you had your mother's, you had your mother's blood on you, an amniotic fluid. And I picked you up and I cleaned you. And I made you Mine. Yeah, the words of the prophets are rough. I didn't make that up. And that's how it is with us, right? No, no, no. I'm different. The Lord needed me. The Lord needed me and my gifts. I mean, the Lord knows how good I am and naturally intelligent and how good looking I am with all of my hair. Let me tell you, You better be grateful you are adopted. (laughs) Oh, man. Did the Lord know what I would grow up to be? He knows you inside out. He loves you despite. His love for you is absolutely incredible. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You are, as we mentioned, a joint heir. We are literally reborn. I tell you the truth, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you are born again. John 3. And we also are those who are guided by the Spirit of God. Remember, the Spirit of the law is really the spirit of sin and death. It points to our shortcomings and how we cannot do it on our own. But when we receive the Holy Spirit, the presence of Jesus in our life, when we receive Him, we are told that we have received the spirit of life and freedom. We are free to become creative, free in how we can serve, free on how everything good and bad that's been in our life prior to this point, God can make it into a recipe for something really, really good. Believe me, God has to remind me of that. I have my moments. Yes, John talked about God's coming judgment, but he also talked about God is love. If you want to know perfect freedom, you want to know perfect love. It comes through his Son, Jesus Christ. We're to be a people of who carry with us a humility of. Grace and love with us. Our freedom is to not necessarily get ahead in life. Our freedom is to help people find the headwaters of life. You know, that throne in the book of Revelation that the river of life flows out. You know, it's got the trees along that river and whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. We've been to those headwaters. We, we sing of that. And so, Moses and Miriam, they compose this song. It is a song of the free. It is a song about the flight, not just of people, but it is the flight of the soul out of Egypt. And that still takes place today. What is your song? Does your song exalt the Lord's work? I Go back and read that song several times. It's very detailed. Does your song look to the character of God and have faith in God because of His character? He does not lie. He tells the truth. He'll never leave you. He just blows with his nostrils. He just takes his little finger like this. He just speaks the word. It comes into being. When you have a song, in bad times, that song puts life in perspective. It puts hard times in perspective. It'll carry us through. If our elders would come forward to pray.